Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 34 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today I have uh, two familiar members of the team. Of course, you guys know Matt Aguilar. What up? And you know Mr. Jim Viscardi. What's going on? But you may be surprised to see our fourth correspondent today. We have a special guest. Mr. Jack Emmerich is here. How are you? Hey, everybody. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. As you can see, my hair is growing so that I'll, I'll be able to do my Magneto costume uh, uh, very well this October. <laughs> is, that, is that legit? Or is that what you're going for this October? You really should. Uh, in fact, I probably will. In fact, I will. I am, to be frank, I am not growing my hair long for that, but uh, it just I mean, so happens you to got work it. really nicely. Wait, wait, I don't want to derail, but this is true. So two years ago, because obviously the color of my hair, I asked DCO community, okay, guys, what do you think I should be for Halloween? So they said Trigon. So I dressed up as Trigon for Halloween and broadcasting. That's a good, that's a good one. That's, that's incredible. That's actually like a really good one. Did you have your third eye? Uh, yeah, well, I, it was, it's six eyes altogether, right? So I had oh. the two sets of googlies on my forehead, and then I put like red, <laughs> you know, the red paint all over. But the problem is, like the, the skin paint, the red, like it literally gets over everything. Like That's it was everywhere, no matter what I did. So uh, I'm still getting it out of my clothes. <laughs> nice. It takes me back to a memory of homecoming, but I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> Well, you've picked a very good day to join us because, uh, you know, usually when, since we've been on quarantine lockdown, like these things can get kind of bare. But like today we actually have something really big to talk about, which ironically we were just talking about in the last episode. Uh, we just did a whole segment talking about the possibility of Justice League Snyder Cut arriving and... We had all these bright ideas about it that we shared on the show. We were going, we were dipping back into imagination land and talking about watch parties and all this stuff you could do and how great it would be. And as soon as we got out of the booth, like as soon as we got out, uh, Warner Brothers basically came out and said, you know what we're going to do instead? We're going to make you guys a full movie. We're going to throw a bunch of money at it and we're going to finish this thing for 2021. So we're going to have to talk about all of that. But before we get to the Snyder Cut and that epic discussion, we're going to start at the top with some of our news flash items today. We got to talk about a big shakeup in the Arrowverse, a kind of weird shakeup in the Spider-Man movie franchise, and uh, if we have some time, maybe some other things happening on the Netflix side of things with some uh, graphic novel adaptations. But uh, let's just start at the top with the uh, DC TV Universe news that Ruby Rose shocked the world by kind of 
upping and saying, hey, guys, you know, I secured that Batwoman season two, but uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm out. You know, Rose out. And so Ruby Rose has exited Batwoman and kind of given a letter that said that was very diplomatic and saying thanks to all the people who run the show and make it. But apparently she is done with the series and kind of moving on to greener pastures and they're going to recast the role for season two. So, Matt, as one of the people I know out of the like five I know who kept up with that woman, how are you feeling right now, buddy? Um, I'm bummed. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm bummed. I'm also confused because we still don't know why. Well, I think the, the reason is the reason I think the reason that that everyone seems to be pointing to is uh, she just wasn't she just didn't like the workload that comes with making a TV show. The, making a TV yeah. show is way more intense than I think people realize than putting together a movie. And let's face it, I mean Ruby Rose has had some luck, and she's been in some big mm-hmm. franchise movies that you know if that's that's the world that she wants to be in, she's already had a bit of a bit of luck there. And so you know why not want to to go there? But it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's the, yeah, I mean, and, but other people were also pointing to the injury that she had on season one yeah, and like some of the stunt work stuff. Injury, injuries and, happen everywhere. True. Right. And she does like, she's, injuries she has a thing of everywhere. doing stuff. <laughs> well, there's she, also, she was almost paralyzed, Jim. That's not like, an uh, I didn't realize that. Was I think, that. Are, are you serious? A career thing. Like yeah. if you're Ruby, that she's legit, right? Like she's mm-hmm. somebody who can see working up the ladder in in cinema, you know, contending for Oscars. Like she has presence, and you know, it's the Buffy effect. If you do a TV series for a certain extended period of time, you become typecast, right? Mm-hmm. It's not Sarah Michelle Gellar. It's like, oh, there's Buffy, right? Like, and that really works in the on the one hand because it gives you a tremendous career, career security. Yeah, but if your aspirations are different than that, I can I could see it. But it, it's definitely heartbreaking because she owned it. Oh, like, yeah, she was she great. Was, in the role. She was the best part of oh, she, the, the early trailer when the first trailers hit, and people were like still a little undecided about the villain and this and that. Everyone unanimously was like, "Ruby Rose is a great Kate Kane. Mm-hmm. Like she's she inhabits this character perfectly." And especially like when you when she gets a suit later on and all that stuff. So and I thought by the end of a season, right, she's really coming into her own. Like you work out the kinks and all that. Oh, so yeah, yeah. season two is always the one where you can then the you gotta figure kind of, it out. Yeah, the gloves come off and you can really just run with it. Well, and that's especially a for those CW shows, right? Like I would yeah. say argue that most of the second seasons, with the exception of maybe being Flash, um, have Arrow? always been have always thought- been uh, the second season of Arrow, I think is one yeah, of the best seasons yeah, of yeah, television. They figure out what to do, right? They yeah. figure out like, okay, what, what makes this character tick? What makes yeah. this character successful? Yeah. And Batwoman arguably is more challenging than Flash or Green Arrow because Fla- Flash and Green Arrow have had loads of comic stories to draw, mm. you know? And th- so there's this huge armory of, of info that they have to draw from, whereas Batwoman, very small, right? Yeah. And so... Uh, as a result, it's much tougher to suddenly come up from a sta- from just a, uh, a standing start. Like, oh yeah, here's season one. So I think yeah. by the end of the season, it felt like, okay, we're kind of feeling ourselves out. We're kind of knowing the direction we're going to go. And it, it, I'm glad that the series is continuing. I think she's a great actress. It is a shame. I thought she really owned it. I thought yeah. that series would ultimately, you know, be up there among my favorites. Uh, I have my fingers crossed. I hope it still will be. 
Well, and I'm glad they are finding, they're going to find another, you know, LGBTQ actress to fill the role. I like that they're continuing that. I like that, you know, this doesn't also mean as we've seen with other shows that have swapped out characters, right? Uh, we've seen it in the MCU with uh, uh, Rhodey, right? We've seen this mm -hmm. happen where like sometimes yeah. like it works out. It works mm -hmm. out just fine and yep. you go on and whatever. So, you know, maybe this won't be like a Fresh Prince, Aunt Viv type of thing. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping to Darren. I mean, that yeah, was, yeah, I yeah, guess, kind that of, me, yeah, yeah, kind of building what you guys said. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I wrote this long piece, kind of breaking down this whole situation. And um, as Jack said, like if you're looking at Ruby Rose from a career perspective, there's how much is what is the risk in the cost benefit of TV in doing this show? Um, there's a lot of speculation about because of the pandemic, you know, season two and that whole production process was in chaos and they were going to be kind of just stranded in limbo about knowing this was coming up, but not knowing exactly when they could get back on it, how long it would take, you know, I think that's a, like, it's a down, curse like, and a blessing, I think too, right? Because now they have more time. Yeah. But if you're Ruby someone. Rose, like, oh, true. Yeah. Oh, no, you're absolutely. a person whose brand is, uh, you, you, I mean, you could just be yeah. an influencer, a fashion model, a movie star. Like these are all within your wheelhouse of yeah. things well, and offers you're getting every day. And yeah. you know, while you have kind of tight control over your schedule and knocking out Batwoman season one, I mean, and it's new, I could see the appeal when you've done it. And you've also had to deal with like fan backlash, a nearly life ending or career ending injury. Yeah. Um, you know, you, uh, after those kinds of things, I, as a person would probably get out of the hospital bed and start asking myself new questions yeah, sure. about perspective about like, what am I doing and how much is this worth? And, What's well, the and daily stress of it worth physically, you know, mentally? As Jim kind of pointed no. to as well, right? Like, like you were saying, the the demands are there as far as time on a show. And, and unlike a lot of the stars we have seen from CW where they kind of start out like that is their star-making vehicle. Yeah. Stephen yeah. Mel, you know, like we, we've seen that with every single show almost. So this case, it was the opposite. She already came in. She was, she lent, her name to the show as opposed to the you know opposite so her coming in and going okay well i don't you don't see a lot of those other stars in other projects that aren't like small indie you know things that they can fit in between filming uh, especially with all the crossover stuff like they're always filming like it feels like the show's always filming or there's a script on twitter <laughs> it's like it never stops so i i do understand that uh, it's a bummer, but again, like I'm, I'm fingers crossed and I'm excited for her too, because I like Ruby Rose and stuff. So I am excited to see her kind of embrace some of the projects. You know? Anybody yeah, have any, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jack. No, she just didn't have anything to gain really. I don't think no. professionally other than a paycheck continuing it. She trailblazed in bringing this character to the screen. It was her credibility, which helped lend strength to the property and really gave it great publicity. So I, I think from her perspective, she, she did what she, she got out of it, what she wanted. Now it's time for new challenges, but I thank her because Batwoman is a great yeah. character. And mm -hmm. if she hadn't agreed to do it, there's, we might not have had that on the CW. I Look, don't. Yeah. I just rebrand to DC. Like, why do we keep calling it the CW? Can't we just call it the DC? <laughs> For real. <laughs> DC has too many TV universes. Currently. Especially after Stargirl. Yeah. Now they're just exactly. merging and blurring. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, does anybody, before we get out of this dudes, anybody have any uh, kind of uh, nominations they want for the next actress to play Batwoman? Well, I know of two 
already that have thrown their name into the ring. Yes. Um, Stephanie uh, Beatrice from who plays Rosa Diaz on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Uh, Sonia Deville also threw from WWE fame, also threw her name into that ring uh, as well. Like, hey, like cast me now. There's You're going to see a lot of people, I feel like, kind Gun of for that vibe role. for that role. Um, you know, so I would... I wouldn't be surprised. This is actually something that, and again, kind of like Jack was alluding to, you can kind of credit Ruby for this, of kind of bringing this role and this project to prominence because before all this happened, yes, you still had people in the community of like, oh my God, but you know, there, it wasn't like some of these other mainstream stars. And I feel like she kind of set that to where anybody, even in a bigger show or whatever, can feel like, oh yeah, I want to jump into that. That's, that's something I want to be a part of. It might be another bigger name that you know and not just an unknown. Could you envision, you know, anybody fighting to be the next Arrow or the next Black Lightning in the same? <laughs> yeah, no, probably uh, not. I mean, we, we just talked to Robbie Amell, but I'm sure he would say if it was a paying job, yes, he would take over <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's, uh, yeah. Also, do we, do we still call it the Arrowverse? Yeah. Arrow's, Arrow's yeah. gone. But it started. It's it that's started. Where it started, it. Matt. That's the like. We're not going to update the wikis at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. That's where we're Fair at. enough. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Uh, we got to talk. We got to go from uh, DC over to Marvel and talk about uh, a new Spider-Man universe movie that's coming out. We were hearing kind of trickles of rumors about all this, and we were all like, "Oh man, what's it going to be?" We were hearing things like Madam Web and Charlize Theron, but instead, instead, we're getting jackpot. <laughs> <laughs> you sound so who, who made who made her first appearance in a free comic book day issue of spider-man in like 20 did I say 2007 it, it, it was a bit ago um which is just crazy right like it, it came around like that character is a character that came around that spawned out of the whole brand new day or, you know, one more day, brand new day, which is the, yeah, era I completely ignored it. Which is the era <laughs> Matt admittedly doesn't like, but like, it's not that she's a, it's not that she's a bad character, right? It's a, it's just that like of all the characters you could have picked in the Spider-Man like world, right? That that's the one. I mean, like you could, I mean, I, I fully expect there to be an overdrive movie next to be clear that's how i feel about madam web (laughs) (laughs) like no okay but madam web was like we talked about madam web being kind of the next she's pretty important to a larger yes can you spider verse like live action spider verse absolutely this this just um i mean yeah i can i'm gonna explain it i'm not saying i agree with it Sure. So if you are trying to get talent to go to a, into a Spider-Man movie, directors, writers, and so forth, there are a lot of people in Hollywood, a lot of pros who do not have the Marvel model. Yeah. And so Jackpot is an empty vessel. So really it's sure. something that they can create anything with and nobody really cares about the canon of Jack. And so from that perspective, the creatives behind it can make anything that they want. Now, the secondary thing is very difficult unless you do a Spider-Woman movie that there's a strong female character <laughs> in the Spider-Man universe, right? Now, I knew I liked Jack. You, but you could, do, <laughs> you could do a Spider-Woman movie, but man, you know, first of all, which Spider-Woman? Uh, there's only one, Jack. There, <laughs> there's only one true Spider-Woman, okay, right, it's Jessica right. Drew. So, but but Jessica Drew, if you read the original source material, she's is crazy. extremely bizarre. She does like, on on a hyper weird level, and especially towards the end of the her first series when Carmine uh, Infantino was drawing. 
So I can understand. Doesn't mean I necessarily agree, but I can understand. Yeah, Spider Woman does kind of go in the cable territory of like convoluted mess. Yeah, and we take, <laughs> and we and we I love it. take yeah. any level-headed opinions just to offset Matt's usual craziness. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> how, how are you feeling, buddy? I mean, we're getting a jackpot movie and no cardiac movie, so how are you feeling right about now? As, <laughs> as Jim cardiac. alluded to, I am a do cardiac. <laughs> as <laughs> Jim, <laughs> as Jim alluded to, I do kind of write off pretty much anything that happened like in one more day and right at the beginning of a brand new day. And so like anything that kind of spawns from that poison chalice, if you will, that's kind of not my thing. However, I do see it from Jack's perspective. I understand that it makes sense. And you, and there are several characters in the Spider-Man canon that, you know, have the basis of levels of character development. They're essentially a name, a power list, or in some cases not, they just fight really well. It's like half the Spider-Man characters in the world are just like, hey, they're mercenaries and they have different costumes. It's like half of Spider-Man's roster of, of people. But, you know, it's, I get that of giving a clean slate. Also, it makes sense from a, how do you build, if, if you're going to get a bigger name star, how do you sell them on a movie? Because you, it's not like you're saying, oh, you can be in the MCU, right? The Spider-Man movies are kind of, yes, they're, tangentially connected but it's only for like certain spider-man movies so like the spin-offs are kind of in this weird limbo so how do you lure them with the I, i'm gonna put you in a spotlight a starring role you give them a character like this that you can kind of it can be whatever they really want and just a few loose connecting things so i i get it i still don't like it and i still don't like that this character madam webb ugh, that like the characters like this get movies and Spider-Woman's just out there who has, like, fan cred and actually is, like, a, a popular character. Like, I'm also the one advocating for a Darkhawk movie, but I get that there's, like, six people that care about that character. It's not realistic. It's just something I want. Spider-Woman can actually legit, I feel like, hold a movie. So it's, it's you, one of those weird things. I feel like you middle. guys are very optimistic, and, and here's why I'm a little worried about Jackpot. Because... I feel like Jackpot's origin and kind of the nature of her character, I try to imagine that being taken out and handed to a third-party studio team. True. And Jackpot's kind of whole deal is basically being kind of like this super, super mom, right? Like, yeah. And I, I just feel like this is a slippery slope oh. to hand to a studio it's like, where do we think the culture is right now? And yeah, like, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and that is the problem, right? It's, the, it's an empty vessel. But the problem is without that material to be able to lean back on, right? Look at the Avengers movies. There've been there's thousands of Avengers comics. They picked out the best bits of each to create what we experience in the movies. We, they don't have that for Jackpot. So it, the, the only thing they have is their writing. And so that's like, well, good luck. <laughs> like, yeah, it really is a crapshoot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just thinking about the marketing, about like a mother will do anything to protect her family and punching through walls. And I'm just like, oh, man. It's a like, story that requires this. subtlety and yeah. nuance. I don't know if they have that. But hey, I go, <laughs> go nuts, yeah, surprise look. me. But I would love to be surprised. But I also, while, I'm, while I understand why they did this i wouldn't call myself optimistic i almost don't care like it's, <laughs> it's just like okay i i almost i also kind of have a uh nightwing-ish 
feel for this, like I'll believe it when I see it. Like that Nightwing movie's been, been teased for years and like some of the DC stuff that got thrown against the wall and just like has never happened. I kind of look at with Jackpot, like the black and silver was the only thing that I sort of, sort of got amped about because I actually kind of dug what they were doing with that. And that has also yet to manifest. So I'll believe it when I see it type of thing. Yeah. I think I'm going to see a thing about a hardworking scientist mom who has a new baby, becomes a new mom, gets super strength. There's going to be a terrible cliche. It's a Beyonce track. <laughs> but at the right, end. But here, here's the, the like, other thing, right? I'm like, going to be rolling my eyes. Th- this is a movie that's supposed to sit in the Spider-Man universe. And I have a feeling that this is going to be a movie that is not necessarily for diehard comic fans, right? Like they may try and make that twist and, you know, and, and play up, you know, that, that angle a bit where it's not going to be, you know, like really a movie for us. Like they may try and mass market it a bit more. Um, and is that smart? Like, do you know people that would be, that are kind of itching for something like that? I mean, it all, it all depends with the, the, the premise on that first trailer, right? That, that sets the tone and, and kind of shows like who they get and, you know, for this. But I think, trying to make this a, a, a pure comic book movie is probably not the, the, the best way to go. But I mean, I guess we'll see. Agree. They're just trying to, I, I, I think they're just trying to broaden potentially right. there and uh, the movie by saying, look, we already know we're going to get comic book fans and our Spider-Man movies and our Venom. What's an audience that we can use, we can try to target that wouldn't normally go. And then we're going to get a crossover. The yeah. comic are going to see it anyway. But are they going to get those other people that want to see a different style of story uh, to come along with it? To some degree, Shazam was like that, right? Shazam wasn't really straight up superhero movie. It was, it was quite a lot different than what we'd seen so far. So I can understand it, like, but I, I agree with you guys. Like, it's risky as heck. Like, I, I don't, it's not like I'm expecting like, oh, I can't wait. You know, it's like, okay, good luck. Yeah. Yeah, hey, prove, like I, this is one of those things I will be more than happy to be proven wrong on because I want them to make a successful movie and, yeah. you know, fit... Because these movies also tend to be the best way to launch other characters. Like, these kind of movies that can hit a mainstream audience, mm-hmm. they're great for fitting in little cameos and whatever and planting seeds for characters that are bigger names to comic fans. Like, who knows? Maybe a jackpot movie gets a solo movie. And or, it's something... that Crowler. It's a, it's a successful cardiac. The the Batman animated series did look. Batman animated series created Harley, right? Like, yep. there's no reason that a movie can't either create or or add credence to an otherwise minor character and raise it to the level of one of the iconics. That's a good point. Fair enough. And uh, all right, we'll see how this thing develops. We'll be keeping our eye on Jackpot. Maybe this is like Matt says. It's one of these DC movies. It's just here now in six months. We won't even remember we were talking about it. RIP Madam Web. All right, we're going to take a break. But when we get back, we have a lot to talk about when it comes to Zack Snyder's Justice League. And later on in the show, I think we're going to be doing some talking with Jack about the world of gaming. So stay tuned for all of that. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. 
You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, so we're back. All right, guys, you know why we're here today. I got out of bed this morning to do a couple things, but uh, mainly is to wrap my head around this thing we happened. Our whole big plans for the Snyder Cut watch party got washed away with a big announcement that Warner Brothers is putting out Zach's now called Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, he's getting that Marvel treatment, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so he's got Zack Snyder's Justice League. And basically, we're going to get this thing on in 2021 on HBO Max. And if you think we're just getting like a watch along of an unfinished movie, uh, you were wrong. They are Warner Brothers is reportedly putting up 20 to 30 million to finish the visual effects, pull in the original kind of crew and the post-production crew. I think the cast members are coming back to do audio. At least we know. Um, Yeah, they're, they're really finishing Snyder's movie and they're going to put it out on streaming so look 20 20 to 30 million is a bargain hbo max got this for a steal you'd be opinion. a great that is one way to you're look a at great it. used car salesman yes <laughs> 20 to 30 million is a bargain <laughs> wow well look they were going to pay they were going to pay they were going to pay 400 million for the friends reunion i'm not saying you're wrong i'm just saying it's for the a friends very reunion. 20 to 30 mil for Snyder Cut that you know that diehard DC audience is going to sell. Okay. Okay, but you're leaving out the contextual, very important caveat that you're paying 20 to 30 million to refinish a movie you said you already finished. It's a different budget line at this point. They're so far past that. It's a totally different budget line. Let's just be clear about cinematic history. This is the first time (laughs) we're going back to a movie but they made some crazy haywire decision to oust the director, jack his vision, like hack it up and finish it in some weird Frankenstein flick with Josh Whedon, come out, have it fall flat on its face and not even and stumble as a franchise starter. Then wait two years of fans screaming at you and putting up billboards in Times Square <laughs> and saying, okay, okay, you're right. We screwed this up. Now we're going to go back and do this for real. Do over. Like, there's never been like a big blockbuster movie mulligan in my lifetime that I can sure. remember. So, I mean, this is significant. Let's just, let's just put that in context. Sure. Yeah. Okay. True. Yeah. But Jim is <laughs> you're so gung ho on this. Okay. So that's, <laughs> which is awesome. I am torn because of some of the things that Kofi alluded to, because on the one hand, uh, I am excited because I want, I, I was and Janelle called me on this. Like literally the minute this news came out, I got a message from Janelle. He told me it wasn't coming. I was like, I didn't think it was. I really honestly thought this was a pipe dream. You were but not I, a believer in this. Yes, I was not, but I also am excited to see it. I don't know what the 
he was making because the dude talks about this like oh it's four hours and all this other like what movie what were you doing like what were you doing when dude, you, you saw batman movie? v superman the yeah, ultimate edition, the ultimate edition. Not, he was like oh long. well you know he's making those old school biblical epics just but with, like, like he's DC talking characters. but he's talking like you've seen 25 percent. i'm like really why why did they give you money anyway point that aside i will say i'm torn because i don't i'm all for like fan empowerment okay like i get it i i like being able to express my opinion on a show like this what i what i don't necessarily like is that a vocal minority gets to just like consistently bring up something that while yes it was disappointing you know do you got to rewrite history like no like i i kind of look at this just like i looked at mass effect and like the ending that came out to that and people were like oh my god we're so mad and then they went and like redid it and i don't like precedents like that i don't i don't necessarily what? want a vocal Stop minority it. to make it no i don't i was honest about it then i said so this is may 2020 mad well but, well, but hold on. Wait, 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 back wait, wait, wait. to when we February, talked about Sonic. Yes, February you can go 2020. And talk about when we yeah. talked about all those things. No, I you never were about, strayed you, wait, from this. Weren't you the guy who was about Sonic? Yeah, I said it was we should release it as is. I said I didn't like Oh, no, yeah, you're on the wrong side of that too. I thought I actually That's fine. Too much credit. <laughs> I, I thought you were I on the stick wrong. with I my points. Right I don't waffle. What I what I've said is what I've maintained this whole time is that I don't necessarily love that. I I'm cool with the result of this. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited to see it. I think you were wrong about box office champion Sonic the Hedgehog. Well, that's fine, <laughs> but I don't like that. I don't like that they went and read the. And Mass you're kind of underselling what the release of Snyder Cut movement was. You're saying it's a vocal minority, but like it, it, okay, it, but it whoa, is a it vocal minority. Big, it had big it celebrities. A, it roped in yes. major outlets, big celebrities. Again, a dude dedicated his still, life to writing a book about it. Out I understand that, but like, okay, don't okay. People have written books about a lot of niche things. Don't. That's not even a qualifier. My point what I will is say. <laughs> it was a legit phenomenon of sustained interest. Like it's a thing that I honestly thought would go away. I get that. I'm not saying it wasn't like successful in its own right and all the other stuff, right? It got it done. What I'm saying is it's still on the grand scheme of things. We live in this bubble that makes these things bigger than they are necessarily. I'm also saying there's a lot of people that don't care about the Snyder cut or justice league or whatever. We're talking on a worldwide basis here. It's just the same thing as Twitter. It's a, it's a vocal minority. I'm part of that, but it's a oh, vocal minority. No, I, I yeah. disagree with you in this case. Like I got to crack my knuckles for this because I've been somebody who's been part of DC. Like I've been a Snyderverse fan since the beginning. Yes. And this has been a continuous fight. Like yeah. fans have been fighting for Man of Steel since it came out. Fans fought so hard against Batman v Superman that Warner Brothers put out that Ultimate Edition and it became a big success on home video. Mm -hmm. Then they continued the fight with Justice League. And this has been an actual phenomenon that you could write about, about no, how fans have taken on a studio well, for no, an entire filmmaker's studio doesn't have a vision. backbone. Hold on, hold on, hold on, <laughs> That's hold all on. it means. Hold on, it means I, one studio does not have a backbone and constantly I mean, caters to fans. Like that's not, it's not world. Yeah. Like it's not every studio. Jack, Jack's got it right on the point. Studio wants to make money and they that's know it. that they are going to make that money. Which yeah, is absolutely. But, but Jack, I, I want to ask you because I, you know, I mean, you're someone who's in a, a bit of a, a, you know, creative role, the stuff that you do. And Matt brings up obviously the, the mass effect point and things like, that. I mean, this is feels like stuff that, that you would probably encounter, um, you know, from, from time to time. What is, Give us insight, you know, kind of, you know, as a mind of a, a creative to kind of, you know, what, what this potentially means and, and is this in fact a slippery slope or is this just not necessarily the new normal, but um, 
just, you know, so you, like you said before, the money's there, why not take it kind of thing? That's exactly it. Look, this isn't a real deep thinking, deep thought process from the studio. They're like, look, can we at least get a, a, a million or 500,000? I don't know how much HBO Max is going to cost, but are we going to be able to get subscribers purely because we've done this? That's it. And they, they're, they're being counters say, yep, and so they're going to go for it. It's, it <laughs> This isn't any more complicated than that. And uh, I'm all for, you know, hey, look, I'm, I, I'll see it. Like, I'm yeah. interested to see how it turns out. Um, I, I'm not against them doing alternate endings or changing things. Because at the end of the day, they're just trying to make a buck. And I respect that. I get it. And if changes need to be made to, in order to achieve that, okay. Well, that's, that's hey, that's the joy of capitalism. But it's interesting because there's there's all there's so much to this one in in particular, given what Zach has teased and said and whatever about all about about his version of the movie, what he wanted the end result to be. I mean, characters like Green Lantern and Martian Manhunter, and you know those characters were characters that he said are in his movie. And so now we're going to get a potentially a new Green Lantern, right? And and you put the. You put the, you put this cut out. It, give it a two weekend theater run, maybe maybe three. You probably make ten million from that alone, from yeah, people sure. potentially going to see it in theaters. So you're going to make you know close to you know a, a good chunk of that money back that you spent to finish that movie. But again, like the, the real currency is in uh, the, that that subscriber number, right? Like you can get people to to subscribe. Like that is more valuable, I think, to AT&T now than mm-hmm. opening box office or whatever, because now like they have said like, you know, Warner brothers and HBO max and AT&T have all said like, they want to be a contender in this streaming, in the streaming race. They want, you know, to be able to, and they've got a, they've got a library and they've got IP that while, you know, yes, Netflix has spent a ton of money trying to, you know, to build their own. They're coming to the table saying, we've got the DC universe. We can, you know, we can get, those fanboy, you know, yeah, exactly. dollars and eyeballs and whatever by doing this. Like, like this, this, yeah, this again, yeah. but I feel like we're leaving out a part of this, which is the studio. We keep ignoring the fact that in Batman and Superman and justice league, the studio made decisions to interfere with the yes, filmmaker. They did. And to jack it and say, well, that's what they said. Exactly. Right. We want to make money. And they jacked those films from the filmmaker, cut them up and put them out with their expertise in making money. And both times they fell flat on their face. And yes, they want to still make money, but you don't like capitalism is a two part process. Like you do not have a supply to sell unless there is a demand there and studios aren't in the risk business. So the supply for the uh, demand side of it was generated by the fans in a very sustained, coordinated and organized fan kind of process uh, of active. I don't want to call it activism because let's not conflate these two things. But like, you know what I mean? Like it was a campaign that was sustained by fans. And I think it is unique in that regard because the studio did their things to make money, fell in their face. And both times the fans were like, no, this is wrong. Like give us the thing from the filmmaker that we wanted. And as somebody who's also been in the creative thing, like that's kind of inspiring in a way, in a very cynical world to see people actually, if, I, if, if I'm a creative artist and I'm doing anything, whether it's I'm writing books or um making a painting or a film, like I would hope that I'm doing at least a good enough job 
that there would be a dedicated fan base of people fighting for my vision, even when I have to be like silenced by legalities and all that. I think that's a pretty special thing. And, you know, kudos to Zack Snyder because I've taken a lot of heat for, what is it now? 2020, I guess we're going on seven years of me writing like how much I love Man of Steel and why I think Batman and Superman. Those are like first articles I wrote when I came through the door here. Um, and you get a lot of heat and you have all these fights and you do the little, you know, the debates and all that. But like, I'm, I'm glad for Zack Snyder and through everything he's been through to kind of see, have this validation of your creative vision. Yeah. Here's, the, here's the real question. Does this movie end the way Zack originally intended it to end, leaving the door open for well, that's, uh, Justice that's League a, 2 or whatever? Here's or, a larger question that I'm kind of, was kind of leading into and yeah. we already wrote about on comicbook.com DC and I would love to pitch to uh, Jack and, and I guess to Matt too. I don't feel like talking to you anymore, but I guess I have to because <laughs> that's just a show. Feelings mutual. <laughs> yeah. All right, there we go. But uh, yeah, do you think this movie... Because one of the big things we said about this and the problem why we wouldn't have invested any money in it was you would essentially be making a movie if you were true to Snyder's vision that opened the door to this much even bigger story and who's going to invest the money to make the rest of those films, right? Well, like This is a trial balloon, right? Yeah, look, yeah that's my question. Do you feel like that could happen? Because I'm sure, look, I'm, I, I, let's say I'm sitting back and I'm Warner Brothers and I work with DC and I love those guys immensely and gals. But... The, the difficulty that they have, look at the movie successes that they've had. Wonder Woman, Shazam, Joker. Yeah, those three don't belong, like, they don't even belong together, right? And so they're very distinct, different visions. So they're like, okay, great. How are we going, what are we going to do with this Justice League idea? I don't know. I have no idea. Justice League movie, it underperformed. I got it. Let's put out the, the Snyder version. And if it does Bafo, we'll give him Justice League 2, because why not? We don't... I don't think they yeah, have a yeah. plan that I've seen. Yeah, so I agree as, with that. As if you're a Zack Snyder fan, man, go get four subscriptions, do whatever you can, because that sends a message, a very clear one. And that is, hey, this has mass market appeal. This next movie, if you allow him to continue his vision, is going to be great. And hey, if I were DC, keep making the Jokers, keep making the Wonder Womans, have a universe that isn't necessarily so intertwined like MCU where it's very similar style and feel. Instead, DCU, uh, DC embraced, yeah, we have lots of different stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you, and this was my whole thing. Like, this is the test balloon. This is, you know, the canary down in the coal mine, because um, this is a new thing. Will this big blockbuster streaming debut, like, really kind of set a new standard and help them see a real new kind of lane of the business and going into the future? And then they're doing this, because it's streaming too. I mean, this was made very clear. If they had to print billboards, hand out flyers and do the usual marketing and distribution yes. campaign for an actual theatrical movie, this would not be happening. But yeah. because they just got to put it into producing this and then they just drop it on streaming, it's a lot more feasible. So you could do the same thing and finish this, pull in the cast, get everybody together. And this would be the closure. I mean, cause this is the not tying up this franchise, right? Like Jack said, there are these successes. You got Wonder Woman, you got Shazam, you got Joker, you got even Aquaman, Aquaman, Aquaman yeah, yeah, like out there. Um, and they're and Wonder Woman and Aquaman particularly are kind of snared because they're still tied in, like they're inevitably tied to the Snyderverse era, so they're not mm -hmm. completely separated. And then there's the Henry Cavill question, the Ben Affleck's Batman. What happens in that universe? Like you could actually just finish this all off. You could tie this all off, convince the actors, get them the necessary dump trunk full of money, have them come shoot it back to back. 
all you're doing is production costs. Put it out on streaming, you know, finish Justice mm-hmm. League. It ends. Cavill, Superman, either has an ending or a new beginning. Bat- ben Affleck's Batman's old. He has an ending. Get mm-hmm. him out of there. And, and that'd be some much-needed closure right. for everybody. Like, Ro- Robert Pattinson's Batman can still yeah. exist in a world that Ben Affleck's does. I mean, it's yeah. just... It's, yeah, it, you just say, I mean, Matt Reeves is probably not even interested in touching this. He's just making a well, Batman. No. And, Snyder and, that, said, right? and now it's the new. fandom is used to this. They're used to it because yep. Joker kind of broke that glass ceiling of having like, yes, we are doing these standalone franchises. We are going to do weird kind of Elseworlds visions of things. And, exactly right. you know, it's going to be all that variety. So okay. this is just the middle thing you can tie off, get it done. Get, and then send everybody the sunset and just keep the ones you really like and okay, you know but, but you know what you know what that also means oh god jim what jared leto's joker is still around uh i, yeah, I did see the uh i did see the <laughs> inevitable that, like janelle would be really happy about that if <laughs> yeah. you were here i saw the inevitable like hey you should remake my thing and oh hey you should i have a three-hour ghostbusters cut i uh, have I the air cut i'm yeah. like oh my god like this again it's just annoying so I don't yeah. necessarily want to see like every single movie get a cut. I no. want some good. Um, uh, so yeah, about that anyway. JJ, just that JJ cut. And it's it's just it. so, it's just crazy because like so many people now are just like, there's no way they would ever do um, another um, uh, you know Justice League movie because Ben Affleck said said he's done. We never thought we were going to get the Snyder cut. Well, like anything think, is possible. I think as Kofi said. Uh, I think, as he said, that there is a lot of goodwill between Snyder and the cast, right? So yeah. even if it was something before where, like, Affleck might not have wanted to, like, come back to that role. But if Snyder, if this is the way that it happens and Snyder's doing a thing and, like, then, yeah, maybe he does. Like, hey. Armus, I trust. You know, uh, it, it, might, it might happen, right? Anna I mean, that's the same Armas. thing with Cavill. I trust uh, Anna de Armas will make this happen for us. She's, well, like Cavill doesn't have out there. like the, you know, that his like relationship with WDB has, or but WB has kind of, you know, ebbed and flowed. Like we, we've been left in limbo as far as like their relationship or like he's Superman. Is he not right? But again, when you throw Snyder into the mix and it's his baby, hence his name being in front, which I also don't understand why people have such a problem with that. I saw that also trending online of like, oh, why is his name in front of Justice League and so big? I'm like, well, that's the part that everyone cares about for this project. They already saw Justice League. If you want to see Justice League, go on, watch it now. You want to see it because Zack Snyder's cut of League, right? So I, I think it could. I think you could, but I agree with Jack. I don't think there's a concrete plan as far as, let's see how this thing turns out. Let's see what ideas come up during development. And if Snyder wants to tell his eight-hour opus, you know, whatever, uh, if he wants to tie it up at the end and just tell his own little story, or if he wants to go in and rework things and try and fit whatever we're going to see dark side, like that is going to be so awesome to see. Like I, like my, like Zach has always has talked about this extended nightmare sequence. Like that is stuff that, that gets me amped and excited. I don't care how long it is. I'm, I'm in glad. for it. I'm glad it was, it was too many movies in one to begin with. And now it's going to be even more. So <laughs> great. Uh, that's, that's kind of how I feel. That's how I felt it's about just, BVS. Even the wrong, ultimate man. edition. It's, it's okay to I be felt. wrong. It's okay. It's fine. It's like shoehorning too many things. Now you want to stick green lanterns in and stuff. A cool cameo is one thing. That's what it would be. But thing. I don't, uh, okay. <laughs> we hey, all knew it was green lantern who talked to Alfred and now, but it's fine. It's vindicated. fine. I'm curious. Vindicated. I remember being at comic con right now to, People told me I was wrong. Finally, 
This is our day. <laughs> All right. So anybody else have any kind of closing thoughts? Snyder Cut? Celebrations? I'm in. I think Joe Manginian. Is, is this? Wait. Is All Joe, right. We totally Death forgot Stroke? about that. Manginiello. Yeah, that's Deathstroke's right. back in this? That's right. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Joe, Joe Manginiello tweeted something, something cryptic about how the original Justice League movie was supposed to have... Uh, yeah, yeah, know. they were supposed to have Deathstroke on their tail. Deathstroke. Like, yeah, there was a whole subplot about this man. Oh, yes, oh, man. we didn't like even. Yes, we do have to talk about that. one thing. Yeah, I um, the format is still being decided, right? Like, it yes. could either be one incredibly long movie, or it could be cut up. And I hope they do it as a series. I actually would like to see this tested out as a series, yeah. as and just this whole idea of taking a legit superhero team blockbuster movie and cutting it up to a series. Plus. They need something to rival Marvel's Disney Plus series right about 2021 mm. area of time. And this would be a good way to do that. Like, just, I'd just be down for Snyder that. Cut, like a six part series or four part or whatever it is. Like, six part, do it 45 minutes a piece and just like let people kind of watch through that and like do the real character work. Take, take the appeal of a blockbuster movie and the kind of deeper character work that people love in like the Netflix Marvel shows and stuff like that and put them together and let's see what happens that's that's my vote all right so that's that anybody else everybody good yeah well oh man, we're, we're also gonna... probably going to see more cursey clemens too oh it's so is iris west yes is that is they're gonna wow it's parallel i mean does anybody think this is a coincidence to the parallel universe that we just found that runs back time <laughs> that this is all happening some particles like leaked over from there maybe that's how it'll be we... really it'll be really curious to see if this has any effect on potential flash plan the flash movie plans uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, and a lot see, of like, if have, this if this that's movie the interesting does thing, and that's what I meant about like the fandom. Like, you can't tell hardcore fans of these DC movies that that there is any version of Bat. The, the continuity is the Batman versus Superman Ultimate Edition, right? Yep. But like, once this is out, you know, we don't need to even pretend that other Justice League was a was a real <laughs> thing. Um, it was like a concept movie for the real movie, uh, <laughs> and it was two hours because Snyder's is really four. You know, like yeah. whatever. Uh, is anybody going to start trolling and going online and asking to release the weeding cut next? Oh, no. oh I've already seen it. <laughs> and I've already seen the snark of, oh, wait, we got that already. Yeah. I've, it's, <laughs> oh, no, you mean now everybody needs, we need two separate, it's like a Siamese twin separation. We need two, like, uh, or kind, or, I can't believe I said that, conjoined twin separation. You can, uh, you need your fully Whedon and your fully Snyder cut to Justice League, and then we need them to battle out and see which one is the like true supremer, but that'll be interesting. So really quick before we we start, I know what you're going to say. Don't jump the questions. gun. Don't what? jump the gun because I'm already going to say, and I'm just going to do this a little bit harsher. Oh, we were we going to talk today about Tenet. Like, is that <laughs> what you're going to say? Yeah, I was. Yeah, okay. I knew by the time this comes out, out. Yeah. so by the time you come out, you're the Tenet trailer for Chris Nolan's Tenet was going to be out, and we were so excited to have Jack on to talk about this because it was supposed to drop today. <laughs> yeah, and like. Now we're finding out that they're dropping the Tenet trailer on Fortnite. That's right. Things. Yeah. So, which uh, I I can't even wrap my head around this right now, and I don't want to derail the show. But well, no, because because I was actually going to leapfrog into my first question for for Jack. So Jack has worked on DCUO, the DCU you know, Universe Online game, and uh, you know we've seen, especially with a game like Fortnite now, where you know there 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 have been partnerships and things like this, where there have been genuine live events right we got the uh, we got some star wars stuff in, in the game now we're getting uh you know people to can see tenet in game um jack are, are the logistics of something like that truly insane no actually it's really easy is That's it really 
Yeah, this is not a, this isn't, you know, what, what Epic is doing and for that matter, any, any sort of live service game, especially MMOs, you're operating you know, three-dimensional worlds constantly. You are adding new content on a weekly basis. It's no, it really isn't a big deal, uh, not in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's fascinating is that in this particular case, they probably just looked at, at CCU and then Fortnite at this moment in North America probably has the most amount of people in it uh-huh. uh, of any channel that you can imagine. It doesn't matter whether it's, it's Netflix, Amazon, cable, anything. There's the most amount of people in Fortnite. And so that's the best place to release a trailer. That's kind of brilliant. I didn't even concert. think of it like that. The fact yeah. that there, the fact that there are more people online playing Fortnite at one at a certain point in time than are watching anything on television, yeah. or or any like that, to me is just like. I'll tell impressive. you right now, like you're upstairs playing Fortnite, I can hear them. <laughs> I've just recently got back into it, and I've gotten very good at it. So I'm like all about uh, humble Fortnite. brag. <laughs> it's just, I was awful. Oh, I was so so bad. He's got to slip that in there, and I'm I was so awesome. so bad. But I have I have finally figured it out, and have, and have gotten pretty good. Show those eleven year olds between the eyes. Uh, all right. So I, I wasn't sure who wanted to start this one first, but that was gonna that was kind of uh, Maddie. Maddie is our uh, gaming expert, self styled well, but still legit. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, well, actually, it we just talked. I mean, obviously, we just talked a lot about the DCU, but. Um, you know, the fact that you just recently introduced the Birds of Prey uh, into the game and the comic versions, uh, which uh, if you haven't seen the like screenshots and stuff, it has like the best Huntress costume, period. That is the like my favorite Huntress costume. So kudos. Thank you for picking that one out of some of the terrible ones that are out there. Uh, but with that coming in, you know, we didn't really mention Birds of Prey in our whole discussion. Like we talked about Aquaman, we talked about Shazam, we talked about all these movies and we didn't really talk about Birds of Prey. And, you know, that kind of came out to, I, I feel like now you can say mixed. I, I don't know at the time it felt like there was a lot of positive reviews, but like it seems like after things have kind of settled and died down, it's, it's been kind of mixed. So, you know, getting to work with that license and those characters and then seeing the movie and what the movie did, what do you want to see more of going forward in the DC movies? Like setting the Snyder thing kind of aside um, as its own, what the hell, what do you want to see them do more in the DCU movies? Do you want to see them like keep going with that kind of birds of prey, irreverent, a little bit darker tone, or, or do you want to see them go a little bit more towards Shazam? Uh, wow. That's a really good question. I mean, I think uh, the Wonder Woman movie to me was sort of the perfect mix of everything. And what I liked about the Wonder Woman movie is how it stressed history. So what do I mean by that? I think that DC is, one of its strengths is this generational idea of hero passing on to hero, from the golden age to the silver to the modern. Okay, great. But that also means the interconnectivity of the heroes and the relationships that they have. So like, for example, Suicide Squad, the movie, had Batman in the background because so many of the characters had interacted with him and had that shared common experience. Deadshot, Harley, uh, um, Killer Croc. And those type of things are fantastic. And Wonder Woman did that too. It gave you set during World War I. Uh, So I did, I I like that a lot. Um, So I would would favor on that side of things. Uh, In Birds of Prey Defense, however, uh, is that what they were trying to do is that are superheroes 
a genre or a story. Now, what do I mean by that? So there are many, many, you can have a Western or let's say World War II. You can have a World War II genre, but there are plenty of stories. There's romancers, there's combat, there's hell, comedy, Hogan's Heroes. You can do any of those things in World War II. Can you do that with superheroes? And so what Birds of Prey was saying is, look, we're not just going to be a typical superhero tale like you might recognize in other movies. We're going to be a little, we're going to be different. And so that's what it was trying to do. And so I appreciate the effort. Uh, the box office was, of course, mixed. Probably not the success they'd hoped. But I do appreciate that movies like Birds of Prey and Joker are different. And they are trying to tell different stories within the genre, as opposed to sticking to a singular formula. It's interesting. Jim, did you have another burning question? Yeah, no, I, I look, I, um, I, I've been, I've been playing a, uh, a lot, uh, like just over, over the years um, of, you know, DCUO. And the thing that, that always fascinates me. And I don't know if, if this is too much inside baseball or how much you can or can't say in that, but like, I mean, you guys have integrated a ton of characters and, and with uh, a ton of skins and have done a ton of, uh, you know, great stories. How far out do you have to plan for that stuff? Like, like is it like, and, and, and is it something where something comes up that may or may not be on a calendar somewhere that you have to then rip up track to try and, you know, uh, fit in. Have there, has there, have that happened? Uh, we've, we've certainly added stuff also just so that your fans know my background a little bit. Yeah. I currently operate DC universe online, but I've also, I designed, uh, and was a founder of Cryptic Studios. So city of heroes and, mm -hmm. and champions okay. online and all um, games I loved. <laughs> like then I also <laughs> Marvel MMO for a year and a half under Microsoft. Uh -huh. uh, they canceled it. And, uh, but anyway, uh, somewhere, you know, probably we can make adjustments up to maybe three months before launch. And then, you know, you're, you're really locked in. I'd say that right now we just started kicking around the storylines for the update in Q4. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but generally six months ahead of time, you really want to be locked and loaded with your planning. And then shortly thereafter, people start working on it. Mm -hmm. Um, since the game has, has been around, you know, for, for as long as it has, um, you know, you guys have been putting out and like, you guys have just, one of the, I think one of the big, biggest reasons it's been such a great success is obviously like are the number of updates that, um, that, that come to the game and it just keeps fans interested, keeps fans engaged. But now, you know, it is, are you guys at a point where you have found the, the kind of, uh, happy medium you, you feel where, uh, you know, how much is necessarily too much for an update, um, you know, versus just potentially, re you know, releasing some skins and things like that. Like, are, are, are users going through the story stuff quicker now, uh, you know, than usual? Or, or you know, like, it changed the way that we delivered our content uh, soon after I started. Mm -hmm. uh, they were doing monthly cadence, and I went to a three to four month cadence, but right. we the content and we did a lot more focus on the story of it mm -hmm. um and you know from that every update we try to change something so that we're always trying to figure out well what what's best practices and we're always learning and adapting uh the the current rate that we have every three to four months is basically born of me in 20 years of operating mmos mm -hmm. is that i've tried it monthly 
I've tried it every other month. I've tried it three months. I've tried it every six months. And that three to four month mark is magical. For whatever yeah. reason, that's when players start start losing interest in the game unless it gets something new. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Right. Uh, you also have you know have mined so much DC lore. Um, is it? I mean, do you guys ever feel like you know like oh like at one point oh crap like what? what are we going to do next? I mean, obviously, I mean, you guys are, are also, you know, doing some of your own stuff, but um, like, yeah. So I, I, like, how do you balance the, the story aspects of stuff when you're, when you're planning this out? Oh, I think that there's a ton of stuff. Uh, I, I like to think I know a bit about DC and <laughs> um, it's pretty easy for me to identify characters or things that are going on mm-hmm. or areas that had not been delved into before. Again, we really try to go deep in stories. So, for example, we had a two-part, uh, two updates, so covering six months, about metal last yeah, year. Yeah, metal. Yeah. Right? I love metal. <laughs> metal is one of my favorite events. And I've been so reading, good. I said, since 1974. I love metal. <laughs> you know, we had Death of Superman. We had, you know, so we, we do try to mine a lot. And since DC is coming out with stuff every flipping month, there's always <laughs> stuff to draw from. And frankly, my my knowledge of the back history of DC, it's very easy for me to say, oh yeah, we should do this now or we should do that. The real concern is, and I hate to be long-winded, is that I don't get too dorky, right? Because, mm. you know, like for example, uh, there's a uh, very, in the 70s, Walt Simonson did a backup series in uh, uh, Batman, uh, Manhunter, right? Awesome stuff. All of you should read it. All of you, like, you should read Manhunter. But nobody knows who the hell Manhunter is. <laughs> Yeah, that would be bright. Fair. Um, I actually had a question. I wanted to take things over to the Star Trek lane of the fandom oh, yeah, universe. Sure. Um, so today, so this week, we also got some big news, and we were talking about it on our last show, which was the announcement of Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, which oh, yeah. is, of course, the kind of prequel to the original series with Captain Pike and Number One and Spock. And it's kind of an interesting time because I was a big. I got in at Next Generation, like so many kids in the 90s, and I've been kind of getting back into it now. And in covering this, there's been this big split between people who feel like the new series like Discovery and Picard are somehow, you know, too dark or gritty or not quite in that Gene Roddenberry kind of honoring the franchise roots, that kind of stuff. And now Strange New World seems to be the antithesis to this, which is kind of a throwback, optimistic, you know, exploration series. You did Star Trek Online, and you kind of arguably were kind of playing with all of those elements in balancing them. So how do you feel about the kind of state of the franchise today? Are you kind of more into Picard, which kind of leans a lot towards Star Trek Online's in its kind of storytelling? Or do you like the kind of classic thing that Strange New Worlds is now kind of purporting? Um, well, I, you know, obviously, I, I, I am, as a fan, I embrace all. I think Star Trek at this point is a genre that you can tell many stories in, right? Orville, <laughs> that's the study to be, right? That's comedy. Or you can have the optimistic, you can have the mystery like you have in, in Picard. In terms of Star Trek Online, to be honest, uh, we focused heavily on the, the tone and feel of Deep Space Nine. Uh, that was really where Always we... Always a smart choice. Always uh, smart. That to us was the most influential, uh, what we were trying to capture, that feeling. Uh, well, and, you know, like Kofi said, right, you've Star Trek, uh, you've also, you know, tackled the world of D&D, like, of course, City of Heroes, which really was 
the forefather to all of these things, like you mentioned, the Marvel RPG, you know, briefly, and of course, DC, right? So you've worked with a lot of different franchises and a lot of different characters. And as you said, you've also pulled from like DC's history and you've pulled some, you know, smaller names out, uh, some names, you know, niche names and some niche characters and concepts. So I guess, how do you balance when, when you're about to start development on a new a new pack or, or a new campaign, you know, something for, like metal, for instance, um, metal was like incredibly popular, but how do you balance that and going, okay, well, we want to do something that everybody knows, but we also want to, you know, you got to kind of scratch that nerd itch a little bit. Right. So you got to get the smaller characters like detective chimp and like some of those people and some of those concepts that a small audience will love, but not the big the big one. So how do you balance that when you're kind of developing new content for the game and not going one way or another? I mean, is there one where you kind of went too far one way or another and you kind of learn from that? Uh, I would say that, that what we try to do is who's the tentpole image? Who's the primary focus in the character art when we release it, right? So, and that character has to be recognizable. Um, can't be someone super obscure. Um, so we're probably not ever going to do an update on Marsha Manhunter, right? Like that's just not. Now, will we, we, could we do a Superman one with Mongol and have Marsha Manhunter in it? Yeah, absolutely, right? But the image would be Superman fighting Mongol, uh, not Marsha Manhunter fighting Mongol. That's how we approach it. Uh, we have to take a look at what's the big hook for people who don't know these characters. And then after that, to be honest, you know, we feel a lot of freedom to be able to draw from whatever we want uh, because look, most people when they walk into a Marvel movie have no flipping idea who the characters were. The only reason they know it's Marvel is because it said Marvel. <laughs> right? And they're like, oh, Ant-Man. I've never heard of Ant-Man, right? It's like, yeah. well, you know, and, and they didn't know until they got there. And uh, it's the same thing with DCO. They know Batman, Superman, Flash, now Shazam, Wonder Woman. We use those to bring people in. Okay, I want to ask you two more quick questions before we go, because I know we've, we've gone a little bit long. Uh, but we talked about metal, obviously, you know, uh, coming out. We know there's a new metal event uh, coming up. So is that safe to say that there may be more metal stuff uh, in the pipeline? I would say almost for sure, because I really like metal. So <laughs> right, if I run the studio, you know, <laughs> yes. and that, I would say I'm looking forward to it and can't wait. Uh-huh. By the way, that needs an omnibus, DC. Why yes. is there a, a metal omnibus? It makes no sense to me. Yes. Uh, and then my last question is, um, has the uh, the delay of um, Wonder Woman and I imagine uh, Batman, uh, you know, obviously, you know, coming up, has that, you know, had you guys need to change plans at all for anything that may or may not be associated with uh, those movies? No, no, not at all. I mean, you know, look, at the end of the day, to be frank, the online world is pretty vibrant even during all of this period. Mm-hmm. And uh, so as a result, the we're just continuing on, continuing on. You know, we got people and fans that want that new content. They can't go to the movies. Right. Uh, we're not changing a beat whatsoever. Okay, cool. Awesome. That's all I had. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank Jack for coming on and lending years of expertise on all things <laughs> geek culture. Uh, yeah, thank you for taking some time out and uh, joining the show and listening for the show as well. 
I've got one thing to add. You know, I'm going to start writing a little little column on the Dimensional Inc. webpage, Jack's Corner. So uh, if, if people want to check that out from time to time, as I just give my musings on various things, superhero or geek related or whatever. Uh, and, you know, maybe you'll discover a jackpot there. <laughs> I made a shit. Wow. Wait, it's ah, all up. I wish we had Seinfeld credits, but we don't have that kind of money for the show. Uh, that'd be a great place to end it on. Yes. Uh, so that's where you can check out Jack. Make sure you go over Jack's corner, check him out. And yeah, the man brings balance to the force between all these different <laughs> franchises. He said very level-headed things that we're not used to on this show. So uh, thank you again. If you're just getting now into Comic Book Nation because you're on lockdown and you have very little else to do, we appreciate you coming this way. We put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com. We can subscribe to our RSS feed and get update, regular updates about when we put up new episodes of the show. You can also subscribe on your favorite listening platforms. We're on iTunes, iHeart, Google Podcasts, Google, Play, uh, Google Playlist, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, you can tell any Amazon Alexa device to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast or see our smiling faces on the comicbook.com YouTube page. If you want to talk to us about anything or just drop any topics, make any suggestions, or yell at some of us for some of our opinions, Matt, you can always find us at the hashtag Comic Book Nation, or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. I'm at Jim Viscardi. I'm not used to And uh, Jack, let's give you one more plug. Where can people find you? Oh, where can people find me? You'll find me at Jack's Corner at DimensionalInc.com. All right. Once again, thank you for joining us for another quarantine edition of Comic Book Nation. You guys stay safe, stay connected, and hopefully you're finding some great content to enjoy while you're waiting for the world to get back to a semi-state of normal. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.